some of the reasons I see why a business would wait until their sales cross the 30,000 threshold is just um, simplicity. Uh, they, they don't want to have to go through the hassle of um, collecting and tracking GST on their sales. And so they simply just decide to wait until they do cross that $30,000 threshold. Hi, welcome to the Tax Chick Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Doucette. Tax is complex, but it does not always have to be so complicated and shrouded in mystery. Join me and my guests as we unpack some serious tax topics and attempt to demystify the world of tax. Today, my guest is Jordan Brown, and this particular episode was based on a request by a number of listeners to have a discussion about sales taxes in our country. And so Jordan is the founder and president of Lyft Accounting in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. His firm is a forward-thinking CPA firm for small businesses in Saskatoon and area. Jordan is a graduate of the Edwards School of Business at the U of S with both a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in accounting. He has a passion for helping entrepreneurs start and grow their business and has volunteered with organizations such as Enactus, Futurepreneur, and Junior Achievement. Jordan and I have a great chat today about PST, GST, HST, when you need to worry about it, how you file, what happens if you're buying and selling um, to things in different provinces. And I'm so excited to share our conversation with you. All the information on how to reach Jordan is going to be found in the show notes, as well as any of the other resources that we discuss in the course of the episode. So without further ado, here's the episode. So welcome, Jordan, to the Tax Chick Podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you, Amanda. It's uh, great to be here and uh, looking forward to our discussion today. Well, and I was telling you before we started recording that I had sort of creepily stalked you for years before I I finally connected with you because I had seen your ad in one of our Saskatoon magazines and thought, hmm, I really like what this guy is up to. He's focusing on owner-managed business. He's kind of doing things a little bit differently. And so I had cut your ad out and I'd been sending people to you, but I had never picked up the phone and called you. And that was mistake number one. I should have just gotten to know you years ago. So I really appreciate appreciate you um, responding when I slid into your DMs earlier and asked you to be on the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I was excited to see you reach out to, as I've been uh, listening to the Tax Chick podcast for, for a number of months now. And, um, and yeah, it's great that we had the chance to connect and, um, and looking forward to chatting about sales taxes today. So I guess the moral of the story is if there's someone that you're following on Instagram or that you've seen out and about, just reach out and talk to them because they'll probably want to talk to you too. I think that's what we've both learned from this scenario. Yeah, exactly. And Saskatoon is a small enough city that, uh, you know, I think there's probably less than six degrees of separation um, amongst people that you want to talk to. So yeah, moral of the story, just reach out. Well, and and so you know, because you've been listening to my podcast, that I always ask my guests the same two questions. So I did give you a heads up on this, and I'm I'm really excited to hear your answers. I've been learning about so many great podcasts from my guests. So the first question is, what is the last podcast you listened to and or your favorite podcast? 
Okay. Yeah. The last podcast I listened to was the, the Gary V uh, podcast. Um, I'm, I'm a Gary V fan. I think he puts out some interesting content in his story of, uh, of how he hustled, hustled over the years and uh, built the wine library. And now he's built multiple businesses is pretty inspiring. And I, I just like that he doesn't sugarcoat things. He just kind of says it as it is. And, um, yeah, so that that's the last podcast I've listened to. Well, that is a new one. I have not heard of that one. I've just been like building my podcast library every time somebody comes on and tells me about a new one. So I really like that one. The The other question is, uh, what is the emoji you use most often when texting? Yeah, so I'm I'm not a big emoji user, but I look through my text messages and I think the, the thumbs up emoji is the one I, I use the most. Um, usually just confirming with confirming with clients or confirming with people that that what they've uh, texted me is is good. So yeah, thumbs up. There you go. I everyone's got a different one. And I find when I have one of the I have a guy on, they always go, well, I don't really use emojis. And then you're right, you start scrolling through your texts, and you realize that you actually do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you on here today. Um, not only because you're an amazing professional, but also because we're going to be chatting about a topic that I've been getting so many requests about. Um, through DMs and through emails. And that topic is sales taxes. Um, so the dreaded GST and PST. And I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty amongst business owners with respect to these issues. And so we're going to we're gonna try and break down those barriers. And, and in particular, um, I did have a special request. I want to do a little shout out um, to Alyssa from Onero um, Jewelry Designs. Beautiful jewelry. Go check out her site, O-N-E-I-R-O. Um, Alyssa had um, done a little uh, story on Instagram saying, please, please do a topic on GSTPST. So this one is for you, Alyssa. So I've heard from a lot of business owners that they're struggling with various issues regarding sales taxes in terms of when to file, what to file, what happens if you're selling in other jurisdictions, how do online sales work. And so today's podcast episode is going to be the first of kind of two episodes on this topic. And, and Jordan, you and I are going to specifically focus on Canadian sales tax issues. Mm -hmm. And then the next episode, I'm going to have a state tax lawyer um, from the U.S. that's going to come on and talk a bit about online sales and that connection between Canada and the U.S. and what you have to worry about if you're selling to the United States. So today, we're going to tackle three main topics. So our first topic is going to be GST-HST. So what is it? Um, how does it differ between provinces? And is there any sort of cross-provincial stuff that you need to know? And then our second topic will be PST. So again, what is it? How does it differ between provinces? What do you have to know if you're selling out of province? And then finally, I was hoping you could provide our listeners with some filing tips. So, um, you know, what do you have to file in Saskatchewan? What should someone be doing to prepare for those filings? That sort of thing. Um, I'm excited. I think we should jump right in. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. You're ready. Okay. So our first topic is going to be GST and HST. And maybe we should start first by just talking about what are those two things and how are they different? Sure. Um, so GST and HST, I, I like to think of them as two sides of the same coin. So GST stands for goods and services tax, whereas HST stands for harmonized sales tax. Both the GST and the HST are considered 
federal taxes in that they're collected by the Canada Revenue Agency. And um, we say that GST and HST is a multi-stage value-added tax in that it's charged at every step in the production process along the way to the ultimate consumer. Um, GST and HST are quite um, quite a broad value-added tax in that they apply to most um, taxable goods and services in Canada. So, I mean, I guess from a from just a, a very basic perspective, if you think about when you're looking at a receipt or at an invoice for something, you're typically seeing at the bottom um, that there will be something that says, you know, GST amount is X. Um, PST amount is X, or if you're in a different province, you're going to see HST is a certain amount. So I'm wondering if you can now move into a discussion um, about um, the what you have to do in terms of, you know, what's a supply, what's a service? Are you able to talk a bit about that? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so in terms of, of what a supply is, <clears throat> um, a supply can be broken down into three different categories. Um, so there's taxable supplies where either GST or HST will apply. There's also known as um, zero rated supplies. And that means that GST or HST applies to the transaction, but at a rate of 0%. And then thirdly, there's what's known as um, exempt supplies. And that means that GST or HST doesn't apply to the transaction. And how do you know which category that you fit into? I guess short of um, going into the Excise Tax Act online, um, there are some uh, some basic categories or, or examples of things that would fall into, you know, let's say zero rated um, supplies versus exempt supplies. So I can give you some examples, Amanda, of zero rated supplies. So, so these would be things like basic groceries, prescription drugs, most agricultural products, uh, medical devices, and certain exported goods or services that are shipped outside of Canada. So if somebody was to get an invoice or a receipt and it was with respect to a zero rated supply, would you see any line item that said GST on there? Hmm. Typically, you know, typically if their supplier had selected the GST zero rated tax code on the invoice, it may show up with GST, but just at a 0% rate. So there wouldn't actually be an amount um, calculated for GST or HST purposes. Okay. Okay. That's very good to know. Okay. I interrupted you. You were going to move into, I think, uh, the next category. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to give some examples of, of uh, exempt supplies. So these can include things such as legal aid services, um, health care services, long-term residential rent, financial services, um, daycare services, and music lessons. So what you'll see here is that the government has specifically picked certain types of supplies that they don't want uh, GST or HST to apply to because they feel that those um, goods or services are beneficial to society and therefore they don't want to tax them uh, with GST or HST. That's interesting because it's showing again that intersection of public policy and tax, which I always talk about, that there's always this underlying reason why certain things are taxed and certain things are not. And so here's another great example of that. 
Yeah, exactly. And so if you're a new business owner and you're starting up a business and and let's say I've decided, I always use this example because I love baking. So let's say I decide I'm going to start a cupcake company and I'm going to start it out of my home. What do I need to worry about in terms of GST? Are there any thresholds or, or what should I be doing um, for that registration? Um, when, when a new business is started, um, they're initially considered a small supplier for GST, HST purposes. As long as their worldwide taxable sales are below the $30,000 threshold. And when you first start your business, um, you know, you'd presume your, your worldwide taxable sales are below $30,000 because you haven't made any, any sales at that point yet. But <laughs> you have a decision to make. Um, and the decision is whether you want to voluntarily register for a GST or HST account, or if you want to wait until your uh, taxable sales do exceed the $30,000 threshold, and then um, that is that is known as a mandatory registration. I see, I see. So why would you choose one over the other? Yeah, so there's there's various reasons why a business owner would choose one over the other. Um, some of the reasons I see why a business would wait until their sales cross the thirty thousand threshold is just um, simplicity. Uh, they they don't want to have to go through the hassle of um, collecting and tracking GST on their sales, and so they simply just decide to wait until they do cross that thirty thousand dollar threshold a new business owner, um, I, I, I like this idea of simplicity. And, and I like that you've raised that, Jordan, because I think sometimes when you're starting a new business, you really don't know. You're at the beginning of your venture and you're not sure how this is going to work. And there's so many new things to get used to. And so what's so important to remember from a GST perspective is GST is considered to be what they call trust funds of the government. And that is, Mm -hmm. I think, the scariest form of tax because essentially you're collecting money for the government. It's very different than like an income tax. And the requirement to do that and to do it properly is at a higher level of responsibility than your income tax responsibility. So if you've decided Mm -hmm. you're going to register for GST, now you have an extra filing. So you have to file a GST return. And that might need to be quarterly, monthly, annually, um, depending on certain factors. And along with that filing, you may have to pay some money because if you've been collecting this GST um, for the government, you're going to have to remit it or give it back to them as well. And so if you don't want that added complexity and if your sales are going to be a little bit lower in the first year, it's kind of one less thing you have to worry about. But then I also agree, Jordan, on the flip side that you have to realize you're giving up an opportunity as well. And you're giving up the opportunity to claim one of those input tax credits, which is just a credit. It's like an offsetting credit because you're going to be going out and I'm going to be, you know, if I'm having my cupcake business, I'm going to be going and I'm going to be purchasing supplies. And at the bottom of my receipts, I'm probably going to be paying some GST. And it might be kind of nice to get that back. And the only way to get that back is to have a GST number and to be able to claim those input tax credits. And so it is a little bit of a balancing act. No, you've you've raised some good points, Amanda. You know, um, sales taxes such as GST, HST, they are considered trust funds. And so you have that added responsibility to, um, to 
collect and manage and remit those those funds to the government. Yeah, and it, it can be a little scary sometimes because it it's a little bit of a foreign reporting process. I feel like people are not quite as comfortable with the GST side as they are with the income tax side, mm-hmm. and it can it can really sneak up on a person. I I was thinking too in terms of of GST. Another question that I've been asked a lot is. Sometimes people or or business owners assume that things like business numbers and GST numbers can only be attached to a corporate structure. And if they are an individual and they're operating their business as like a sole proprietorship, so all their income is going on their tax return, that they can't get a business number and they can't get a GST number. Hmm. And so I was hoping we could chat a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So um, an individual, so a sole proprietor, can obtain a GST, HST number. Uh, Partnership, so um, two or more individuals uh, working together in a partnership can obtain a GST, HST number, as well as uh, corporations can obtain a GST, HST number. So, um, yeah, so uh, GST, HST, it isn't limited strictly to corporations. Uh, It's available to both sole proprietors and partnerships. And one thing, I another point to add um, in favor of voluntarily registering for GST early is that um, by registering for a GST number, it helps to make your, your business look more established or more legitimate because everyone knows that um, the GST threshold is $30,000. And so if... if um, if you invoice your customer and you're not registered for GST, it almost sends a signal to your customer that, hey, my sales are under $30,000 because I'm not registered for GST. So if you don't want to kind of um, silently broadcast that to your customers, voluntarily registering does help your business maybe look a little bit bigger or more established. That's an, that's an interesting point, Jordan. I, I hadn't thought about it that way. I, that's definitely something else to, to put in the mix. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing I thought maybe might be helpful for us to just quickly touch on and on the GST topic is I remember when I first started as a lawyer, and, and I mean, I was going to be a litigator. I wasn't going to do corporate work. And so my knowledge of the business world was very limited. And I remember being very confused about the concept of a business number. Um, and I, I've realized now that I am not alone in that. I'm, I'm not confused anymore. I, just a disclaimer, I know what it is now. Um, <laughs> but I remember just now talking to clients, and, and there's a bit of a confusion over what a business number is, what it looks like, and how that interacts with GST. And, and I find that a lot if I say to the clients, oh, what's your GST number? And then they'll look at me blankly and say, I don't know, I have a business number. What? How does that interact? So I always think about a business number as kind of like the corporate or the business social insurance number, mm-hmm. that when we're talking to CRA and we're talking to them about our personal tax situation, they're often going to ask us for our social insurance number. Mm-hmm. Well, a business number is like the social insurance number for your business. And it just looks a little different. It's not three digits in a space and three digits in a space and three digits in a space. And then it has that different ending um, on it. And so can you talk about that a little bit for us? Yeah, definitely. And, and you're, you're absolutely right, Amanda, that a business number is the identifying number that the CRA uses to identify your business. Um, It's typically uh, nine digits long, which um, just happens to be the same length as a social insurance number, but they're, they're two separate numbers. And then after those nine digits, you're going to have what's um, 
two letters, and that's what's known as the program identifier. So when we talk about GST-HST, the program identifier will be capital R, capital T. And then after that, there's going to be four digits. And that's um, those four digits represent your program account. So if we had um, a business number that was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, RT triple zero one, that would mean that the first nine digits identify your business. The RT identifies that it's your GST HST account we're talking about. And the triple zero one just identifies that this is your first uh, GST or HST account. A large business can have more than one GST HST account. And so that's what the, the last four digits is used for. That's a great explanation, Jordan. I, I appreciate that. And then I guess if we continue that along, yeah. so when you start um, your business and you're reporting business income, you you may have a just a general business number for income tax purposes. Mm-hmm. And so the letters for that one would be RC. Yes. And then if you have payroll obligations, the letters would be RP. Yeah. But those first nine numbers are usually the same. Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, often as long as you know the nine numbers, um, we can then figure out which accounts that you've activated them for, um, yes. for lack of a better phrase. And, and I've seen, Amanda, I've seen um, businesses where they, um, they register their business with the ISC and they receive a letter that says your business number is, you know, these nine digits. And they think, great, I've got a I've got a business number and they automatically assume that that's their GST number and they start operating their business um, and using the, using that number as their GST number. But in fact, they didn't actually phone in or um, contact the CRA to open up a GST program account. And so the CRA doesn't have record of them uh, having a GST or HST account. So that is a, an important step to keep in mind. I'm so glad that you raised that. I totally forgot to reference that. And and I'm not sure if this is happening in other provinces or if this is a Saskatchewan thing. And it's it's only been in the last, I don't know, I'm going to say last couple of years, but time flies, where now when you are registering you know, a business name or you're incorporating a company, um, our corporate registry office, which is our provincial government office that um, coordinates and, and holds information about our businesses, it will automatically assign you a what they call a business number. And I've often described it to clients as like when you get a new credit card, you can't just go and start using it. You have to phone first and activate it. And and the business number is very much like that, that you get this piece of paper and something is assigned to you, but that doesn't mean it's ready to go. You still have to go and take that step to activate. That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this was good. Okay. I, I'm excited. I think we've covered the big stuff on GST, HST, and I think we should talk a little bit about PST now. Sure. Let's do it. So what is PST? Yeah. So PST stands for provincial sales tax and PST is known as a a single stage uh, retail sales tax that's only charged once to the end consumer or user of a product or service. So when it's charged, um, when you say it's only charged once, so that differs between like with GST, because if, for example, I in my cupcake business, I would purchase supplies and I'd be charged GST on those supplies. And then I would use the supplies to make a cupcake. And I could arguably then charge GST on the cupcake sale to the end user. 
versus PST where we don't have that duplication. That is that is correct. Yes, with GST okay. HST, it's it's charged at every stage along uh, along the production chain, whereas with PST it's only charged at the very end when the final sale is made to the end consumer. And PST is provincially based and it's provincially collected. Yes, that is correct. So each province um, uh, has created their own uh, PST program. And so in Saskatchewan, for example, we have a PST rate of 6% that is charged on um, most tangible goods and a, and a handful of, of services. And so I can give you an example of, of some of those services that would be PST taxable in Saskatchewan. Those, oh, that would be great. Yeah, those include things like accounting and bookkeeping services, advertising services, architectural services, commercial building cleaning services, um, computer services, engineering services and legal services. So those are just um, some examples of services that uh, PST has to be collected on. And so for PST, just for our, our listeners, I mean, it would be, your, it's a different number. So the, the business number or the GST registration number you're getting at the federal level is a different number than the number that's associated with PST. And my, my recollection is it's referenced as like a vendor license. Is it still called that? Yes, that's right. So there's, um, there's two different types of PST numbers that a business can receive. Uh, the first, as you mentioned, Amanda, is a vendor license number. And those are issued to businesses that are making taxable sales to, of goods or services to customers. The second type of PST number is what's known as a registered consumer number. And that's issued to businesses that are operating in Saskatchewan that do not generally make taxable sales of goods or services, but they do purchase taxable goods and services for their own uh, business use. Ah, and so is there a corresponding type of credit that then is available for that second category? Yeah, so with, with a, a registered consumer number, um, when they say if they go to Staples and purchase um, paper or ink for their business, uh, they're seen as the end customer of that good. And so they are required to pay PST um, to Staples. And then that PST is added into um, the subtotal of that expense, and they would then deduct the subtotal and the PST when it comes uh, to income tax time. Very interesting. Okay, that's a great explanation. And so when it comes to PST, I mean, I, I tend to just go on the government of Saskatchewan site because I've found that they have some very good information. But if, if, if you were to give some advice to a new business owner trying to figure out the PST world, what would you suggest in terms of a starting point? So if I were, if I were starting a new business today and, I, and if I weren't an accountant, where I, would, where I would start is I would start, like you said, Amanda, on the, uh, the Saskatchewan Ministry of Finance website to look at the PST bulletins that they've published for various different industries. If I didn't find a, bullet, a PST bulletin that specifically addressed my um, industry, I would then phone the Ministry of Finance and ask to speak with a PST information officer who are um, senior experts in PST 
and I would then describe my business and the types of products or services I was going to sell. And they would typically be able to give me an answer over the phone of whether I would need to collect PST or not on those um, goods or services. And it, um, the third way I would, <clears throat> I would go about finding out is there's some great local organizations such as um, Square One and WESC who offer Ask an Expert programs where they have um, lawyers, accountants, um, marketers, etc., that new business owners can um, book a session with the with these Ask an Expert programs, and and you can likely get your um, sales tax questions answered that way. That is great, Jordan. I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. So if anyone's listening to this and wondering about where these options are, I'll make sure I give you a bit of a clickable link. Um, I think that I think that the phoning of the Ministry of Finance is such an unused option. And I mean, I have phoned them multiple times because we've had some, we've had some situations where clients had gravel land. And so the question became when they're selling their gravel, do they need to be registered or not? And just some things that are a bit off the beaten path. And it is completely safe to pick up the phone and phone the Ministry of Finance and they will help you. Um, also, their bulletins yeah. are, are easily accessible. They're free to the public and they're written in, in pretty good language, I find. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, uh, that's totally true. Well, hi there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope that you're enjoying this episode. I wanted to take a few minutes to explain who I am and why I started this podcast. So I am a tax lawyer. I am based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. I feel pretty lucky because my day job allows me to have conversations with some amazing people who are very knowledgeable in their areas of practice. I thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with you. I know the tax can be complex, but there are some basic foundational principles and key information that you deserve to understand and to know. I hope that when you finish listening to each episode, you feel like you have learned at least one thing that will be helpful to you in your day-to-day life. And maybe we will have even made you laugh. If you're interested in learning more about The Tax Chick, I also have a weekly blog called The Tax Chick Blog. And if you're on Instagram, please follow me with the handle at tax.chick. Enough about me. Back to the episode. Mm-hmm. So what about those people who are selling goods or, province or, or, or products outside of Saskatchewan? So they're either doing online sales that are landing in a different province or they're literally just shipping to people outside of Saskatchewan. What do they have to worry about with other provinces? Yeah, for sure. So if you're running a business based in Saskatchewan and you have an, an online e-commerce website that, um, that individuals say in Manitoba or British Columbia um, or even Alberta are purchasing from your website, you may have um, you may have the question of do I need to register for PST in in these other provinces? Um, not Alberta, of course, because they don't have a PST. But in Manitoba, it's known as a retail sales tax or RST, and then in British Columbia, it's it's known as provincial sales tax or PST. And the general rule of thumb is that if 
If a business is actively soliciting sales in another province, meaning that they are um, doing some targeted advertising or they're putting out mailers or flyers and really trying to drum up sales in those other provinces, those provinces, ministries of finance would like the business to register for a provincial sales tax account because the assumption is that if they're doing targeted advertising, they're likely um, generating a, a not insignificant amount of sales. However, if your business has a website and it and an individual in Manitoba just happens to come across it and make a purchase, in that case, you're not considered to be actively soliciting sales in Manitoba. And so you wouldn't have to charge um, Manitoba RST. Um, so that's, that's kind of the key distinction is, are you actively trying to um, generate sales in those provinces? Very interesting. So that the starting point would be, do you need to be registered in Saskatchewan? And if you determined, yes, you would get your, your number and you'd be charging your PST where appropriate. But the determination of whether you have to worry about being registered or collecting for another province, it's almost sub subjective. It's, it's, you know, what are your intentions? Are you actively trying to seek out customers in other jurisdictions? Yes. Yeah. And generally, generally, you'll know as a business owner when you're actively trying to target another province. And so if, if your business is um, is a Western based or Western Canada based business and you're really targeting all of the Western provinces with your advertising and you're doing a, a good amount of sales to those Western provinces, then likely you would need to be registered for PST in those respective provinces. And so then if you were to get, for example, an online order from someone in BC and you determine that you needed to be registered in BC, in that instance, you would be charging the BC provincial rate and you'd be remitting that to BC. Yes, that I is understand. Correct. So how does this connect then with HST? Because I think that's going to be the next thing going through people's minds. I think it's a little bit easier when you have a GST and PST province because it's broken down. But what if I'm yeah. selling something to an HST province? How does that relate? In order to determine um, the appropriate HST to charge, uh, you need to look at three things. So the first one is um, who is the supply being made to? The second one is, um, what is the type of supply you're making? And the third one is, where is the place of supply? So just to give you an example, say if I were selling uh, mattresses, um, you know, Endy and Casper are popular mattress companies, and they roll them up in a box and they ship them out. So if I started up a, my own mattress company here in Saskatchewan, and I created a website and I received a sale from somebody in downtown Toronto that just uh, wanted my mattress to get a better sleep. And so they, they order the mattress and I box it up and I ship it out to them. Um, so basically I would look at, well, who am I making the supply to? Well, it's an individual in Toronto. Um, what is the type of supply? Well, it's a, a tangible personal property or, or it's a physical good like a mattress. And the place of supply is Ontario or Toronto because that's where the goods are being delivered to. So based on that, I would then um, charge them 13% Ontario HST. And um, because that that's where um, that's where the good is being delivered and and that's how I would go about uh, determining 
what the appropriate sales tax for that would be. And so do you need a different number in that instance? No. So your, your GST number can be used to charge HST in one of the five uh, participating HST provinces. The HST that you collect is um, combined with the GST you collect, and it's all remitted to the CRA on the same return. That is surprisingly convenient. I find that shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then that is kind of a good segue into our final topic, which is a discussion about filing tips. So um, you're a business owner. You've you've now kind of figured out whether you need to be registered for one or the other. What would you yeah. suggest to these business owners in terms of getting themselves organized and, and what filings they need to be aware of? Yeah. So I think um, my biggest tip or advice to business owners when they register for sales taxes is to look at using a bookkeeping system um, in order to track the sales taxes they're collecting on their sales, as well as the sales taxes that they're paying on their purchases or expenses. And so I know um, some business owners, such as sole proprietors, um, they use Excel to track their, um, their income and expenses, and that can work. But um, you have to do more manual calculations and you can make mistakes with, uh, uh, with the calculations. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, cloud-based bookkeeping systems such as QuickBooks Online. And so by using um, an online bookkeeping system and by setting up your uh, GST, HST account and your provincial sales tax account, um, it will allow you to then track the GST that you've collected, as well as um, any GST that you've paid. So Jordan, I guess as sort of concluding thoughts, you've given us so much great information today. Um, Do you have any takeaways for business owners about PST and GST? Yes, definitely, Amanda. So um, one of my key takeaways is to um, encourage business owners to uh, do the homework or Uh, reach out if they're not sure whether they need to be collecting GST, HST, or PST on their sales. Um, The best time to to do that research and to get the right answers is when they first start their business, Um, rather than be one or two years down the road and realize that they should have been um, doing something different when it comes to sales taxes. Another good takeaway is to, um, to really treat the sales taxes you're collecting as separate funds or trust funds, meaning that um, you open up a, a business savings account and on a regular basis, you transfer some money over into that savings account to really keep the sales tax you're collecting separate from your normal operating funds in your business checking account. And then the third takeaway is just to have a have a bookkeeping system that allows you to be organized and track the GST, PST that you're collecting, um, as well as recording all the GST or HST that you've paid on your business expenses so that you're claiming all the credits that you're entitled to and that you're not paying more in sales taxes to the government than you you really need to. Um, So those would be my three key takeaways for business owners. 
That's excellent. And I think it's really important to remember that as business owners, um, you can get advice at the front end to help someone set some of this up for you. And it doesn't mean that you need to keep hiring someone on a monthly basis. You may choose to, but, you know, make sure you consider utilizing the services of someone to get you started. And I think that's great advice, Jordan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on the podcast today. I, we may have to have you back on again for like sales tax part two. Who knows? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm always. Uh, I'm always game. Um, whenever, whenever you want to do another podcast. Well, thank you so much for your time today, and I, I look forward to the time when we can actually meet in person. For sure, we'll we'll maybe have to go for lunch or something and uh, try out a, a good local restaurant. That would be right. Yeah, Jordan and I were talking a bit about how we're both kind of foodies, so that would be great. We can try out something new. For sure. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Jordan. All right. Have a good day, Amanda. Well, that is all we have time for today, folks. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we referenced throughout the episode and to find out more about today's guest. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at the taxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice. 